What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's going on? It's Paulina Rowe here, and it's another episode of Unentitled, a podcast for millennials by millennials, here to show you that we can do whatever our hearts desire while kicking ass. So welcome. What's going on? It's Paulina here and Unentitled, and I'm so excited to have my guest with me today because, listen, like, I have followed her journey for a minute. Um, I think she's beautiful, like, inside and out, which I think is, like, you know, amazing. And I also think that you have so much knowledge to kind of drop here, and that's why I created this podcast. You know, I wanted to share um, other perspectives and, and advice and insights and just anything that, you know, anyone can share to me is amazing. So I would like to welcome my guest, Liz Hernandez. How are you? Good, Paulina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. You're in Chicago. I know. Chi-Town, what's up? What's up? <laughs> uh, we're so happy to have you. You've got um, an amazing event happening this weekend, too, technically, right? Yeah, it's a double, well, it's one event, but it's t- a two-day event. Two-day event. I love that. So, obviously, I want to get into that, and, you know, we there's still tickets left, or? There is still tickets left. Oh, good. Okay, so we'll talk about that. Um, but I wanted to sort of get, you know, your your story and kind of, like, you know, talk about you, because this, this is about you right now. Um, and I, like I said, I've been following your journey, so to have you here for, you know, sitting in front of me is amazing. And and you're from L.A., right? Los I Angeles? I'm from Los Angeles. Yes. So, are you, were you born here in the United States? States? I was. My were... parents are immigrants. Okay, uh, same. My dad is from Guadalajara, Mexico. My mom is from Chihuahua. And I was born in, well, I was born and raised in Riverside. Okay. And then I migrated to Los Angeles to start my career. Very <laughs> cool. So, like, you know, but when you started your career and everything, were you like super, like, I know what I want to do type thing? Were you like exploring like all options? Because you did radio, TV, like, entertainment. You did it all. You it's, do it all. It's crazy. If I gave you the long version, It would be very long. (laughs) But, you know, I still sometimes ask myself the question, was it a little bit of fate mixed with a little bit of destiny, mixed with a little bit of trusting the universe? Because when I was younger, when I was in about seventh grade, Mm -hmm. I used to make air checks. You know, I used to get on, there was like the ghetto blaster. Yep. It was a ghetto blaster and uh-huh. it had the dual cassette tapes. And I used to tape over Hollywood Hamilton on Kiss FM in Los Angeles. Wow. And he, I remember one time he interviewed New Kids on the Block. And I took that interview and I plugged in a mic and I taped over his voice and put in my voice. But as a joke, and I handed it out to my friends, never thinking one day this is going to be my career. I was a radio junkie, though. I used to stay in my room for hours yeah. and try to win every contest. That was me. I And I actually got on the radio at Power 106 when I was probably like 11 or 12 years old. I got on with Jay Thomas, and he picked up the phone, and he's like, Caller 10, and I was like, probably Caller 106. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And he's like, you won tickets to the American Music Awards. And he's like, how old are you? My voice was so little. And I said, I don't know, whatever my age was. And he's like, oh, honey, you have to be 18 to win. But he used my, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, on a loop. And so I played on Power 106 when I was 11 years old, 12 years old. Wow. At that time, that's like cool, though. Never again thinking that one day I was going to be in radio. Then when Mm -hmm. I got into high school, there was a radio contest down the street. 
me and my friend went to sing for Santana tickets, uh, got the tickets, and then they had us go to the radio station to do listener drops. And you know how that goes. Yep. You bring the listeners in. They do listener drops. And they would play my drop all the time on 99.1 in Riverside. It was where I was from. Yep. Again, never thinking that radio was going to be my career. And so when I went to college, I actually majored in psychology. Communication was only my minor. And I did all these really tough internships working with at-risk youth and battered women and kids wow. on academic probation. And there was just so much that was happening. And I had to do an internship for communications, which felt a lot lighter than what I was doing in psychology. Right. right. And so I got into my car one day and I heard a commercial and I said, do you need an internship to graduate? Call now. <laughs> You're like, yes, I do. <laughs> and so I literally called now and uh, I called up Channel 933 in San Diego. That San Diego is where I went to college. Oh, cool. And I got the internship. And what manifested after that was a producer, the morning show producer coming up to me and saying, you know, I see that you're interning in the evenings. You know, I was going to all the concerts and putting up the posters for the station. Are you yes. going the gas stations? We're giving out free gas, free gas Fridays, or you go put the bumper stickers and you fill up gas tanks. <laughs> and uh, he's just said, would you like to come answer the phones in the morning? You'll get the same school credit. So I went and answered phones in the morning. And then Nasty Man, who I listened to growing up, in LA on Kiss FM would call me into the station. He would call me into the the morning show room, and he would say, "What are you college kids watching? What do you guys do for fun?" And I always had an answer. And slowly but surely, I started kind of building my uh, my way on to, on air. And then I was once I was done with my internship, I was offered a paid internship. And yep. then once I got ready to graduate, was when I had that realization of, do I want to continue the psychology route or do I want to follow the communications route because I was falling in love with radio. So I called my parents and I said, I think I'm going to double major and stay an extra year in college with your blessing. And thank God I had amazing parents who said, yes, do what your heart, what you feel in your heart, because you're going to do this for the rest of your life and you need to be happy. So I stayed an extra year in college and I stayed as a paid intern. And then when I got ready to graduate the next year, uh, I was offered a job in Salinas, uh, Monterey, which is up north about... um, five hours away from Los Angeles. And I was only there five months when I got a call from Power 106 in LA to come audition. And the rest is history. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. an amazing story. And I love too how you said you're like, you're like, I, you know, interned, like I did the posters, like a lot of times I feel like we forget, like, cause you see the the bigger picture, right? You see somebody who, you know, obviously has gotten all everything that they deserved, you know, and they do so great, but it's like, no, like that took work. Preparation meets opportunity. You know, I have so many people that tell me, oh, you got so lucky or you're so lucky. Mm. What creates luck is hard work. That Absolutely. creates your luck. Oh, totally. I'm, I'm a big believer of that. And that's why I always say, like, people ask me for advice. And I'm like, I'm not in no position. But if you want to know anything, it's like, yes, you got to be prepared. You have to be, be uh, open opportunities, right? And I feel like, too, um, you know, you moving and stuff, like, a lot of times people forget that, you know, you, you might have to. You might have to relocate. Absolutely. I really thought people kept telling me I was going to have to move to Kansas or a different market, like a smaller market to mm-hmm. get the green out of me. And in, I will say... In that regard, I did get really lucky, like only having to do five months up north, still in California, and then go right. to power. But had I not put in all those years as an intern, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. when all my friends were out at the bars, I would have never been prepared for the audition when I got to power. Oh, totally. I love how you said they're still at the bars. You're like, well, they're still there. It's 4 a.m. and I'm <laughs> on my way to work. I mean, trust yeah. me. I, even... I mean, it was really hard at that time. You know, I yes. was 16 or not 16. I was probably like 17, 18 years old. No, maybe I was a little older than that. I was probably 20 years old. 
Um, yeah, but it's like college days. Yeah. yeah, colleges, whatever. I, I've uh-huh. been out so long, you know, I'm aging myself here that I don't even remember. But I just remember seeing my friends go out or even go to baseball games or go to school events and thinking, I have to be up in a couple hours. What am I going to choose? Yep. And I, again, I, w- I didn't know at the time I was choosing it because I'm like, this is going to pay off one day. I was choosing it more because I was so in love with it. Exactly. There was, it was more a passion behind it, it I feel. It was a passion behind it. Yes. 100%. So being then at Power and, and coming on board, right, did you ever feel um, like, like, were you more excited, like, oh, my God, I deserve this. This is great. Or were you more scared because you were like, now I'm, you know, playing with the big boys. Like, I, I'm at Power 106 in L.A., which is an iconic radio station. Right. Like, how did you feel? I was so, I didn't have a great experience when I was in Monterey. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know, just those five months that I was up there, my boss back in San Diego told me I had flubbed one day on the air. Uh, we were talking about something and I didn't say it all the way, but you know, it's like a big no-no in radio to cuss on the air. Mm-hmm. And I, this guy had won the lottery and I can't remember my co-host said the number amount. And I said, oh, shh. And I caught myself at the very end, but still in radio, that's like, you know, yeah, you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. So he told on me, he called the PD in San Diego and was like, Liz cussed on the air and da 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 da, and she's making my show look bad. And oh no! Know, and again, I don't know what that whole conversation was, but I just know she called me and reamed me. She was like, "You are never gonna make it in radio." Oh no! And, you know, I really looked up to this woman, and had I believed her, had I not had amazing parents who told me I could be and do anything I wanted to be or do, I would have let those words take me down. And instead, it lit a fire in me where I was going to prove her wrong. Yes. And that's where the stars aligned. That's when I got the email from the producer at Power. I immediately did my air check and sent it out. I wanted out and I wanted to prove that person wrong. Oh, my gosh. I I love that you took that, though, as more of because I read this book recently and and that situation kind of happened, right, where it was like someone told them someone they looked up to said, you'll never be nothing here. Right. Right. I love that you took that. You're like, I want to prove you wrong. I will be some. I will be somebody. I am somebody. Yeah, and, and 100%. I will. So by the time I got to power and was ready to audition, I was, you know, Will Smith said it best. He goes, you have to only have a plan A because if you have a plan B, it distracts from plan A. So my plan A was no matter what, I'm going to come home to Los Angeles or come home to where my family is. Yeah. And I'm going to make something work. Even if that's not radio. Mm. And it's so interesting because I had even called uh, my good friend, Jesse Duran, who had worked at 99.1 in my hometown. We had become good friends over the years. Uh And I told him, I said, you know, I'm auditioning for power. And I said, if this doesn't work out, I will come and work for you for free. Because I I knew I had it in me. I knew I just needed someone to give me a chance to prove myself. Yes. That's how much I believed in what I was doing and who I was and what I could bring to the table. But I just needed someone to give me that opportunity. Yes. I so love that. That when I went into power, I was just it was with a lot of conviction, which is great. Which is, I mean, I was still scared. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Like, <laughs> I'm walking in as a minor league player being pulled into the big leagues. And, you know, luckily, I didn't have a lot of history of big boy, which was, I thought, great. Yeah. Because I think if I would have known who big boy was and had grown up listening to him. I would have been extremely intimidated. Okay, But when he was growing his popularity, I was already away at school. So it was kind of walking in as a clean slate with not really knowing anyone in the neighborhood and just getting to know them as people. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I remember, I like, obviously I didn't live in L.A., but I remember watching clips and stuff on YouTube, good old YouTube, you know, the internet. Um, but, I mean, I love that you were able to bring kind of like your, 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 your yourself to the show. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You brought your perspective. You brought your ideas. Like, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's what makes a show good is to have people from all sorts of like different walks of life, yeah. bring them into a, a new room together. And then there's chemistry, even better, right? Because you need that chemistry. And I feel like that was a successful show. So congrats on that. That's Thank amazing. You. Well, I think everyone on that show was unapologetically them. Mm. And you can't create, you know, you you know from radio, yes. you can't create chemistry. No. You can't force it. And, you know, Big used to call us the God Squad because it was just meant to be. It was like lightning in a bottle. Wow, that's amazing. And then what like what were your thoughts then during being, you know, in radio and everything and you're, you're at Power 106? Were you like, this is it, just radio, I'm good? Or were you like, I'm <laughs> shooting for the stars? Because I know how we all think in radio, you know what I'm saying? Especially now, too, like, with, you know, Instagram and, and all these right. other, like, platforms and everything. Like, people have really taken their careers to whole different levels, sure. which is so incredible. And you're a perfect example, you know? And Gina, too. Gina's in the room. Hey! Gina Latina! <laughs> you ladies are, like, Which is so crazy it. because Gina now works at Channel 933, and that's where I started as an intern. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and uh, the, is it Micah? Yeah. Oh, and the, the, it's funny because some of the people she was talking about, like I worked with the same, like the co-host, oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah. So when she she yes. started, the co-host that ratted me out, she ended up working. That was with my him. first. That was the first show I yeah. worked on. Yeah. Really? <laughs> and God bless him. God bless him. You know, yeah. everyone has their own agendas, but yeah. I was able to give her a lot of advice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And my first morning show. Like, yeah. Listen, don't take it personally. Yeah, because... and it really helped. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! See, it's like a small world. I tell people all the time. I'm like, this is a small world. So like, just please, if you can, be careful how you treat people. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And you know, in the beginning too, you know, radio. It was if someone had their own show, they were very protective of that show. It was mm. like you were getting in their car, so they don't want you putting your feet on the dashboard. They don't want you eating in the car, and they have to realize that that vehicle becomes everybody's car. It's not just the drive. You know, but a lot of times the driver doesn't want a co-pilot. Mm. So do you ever feel like that maybe was the case? You don't have to give names or anything, but like that was the case in your situation with any show that you've been on or any job you've been on? Uh, outside of Big Boy's Neighborhood, absolutely. I felt that they were very protective. The people I've worked with after is, or before and after, mm -hmm. um, they were just very protective of what they had built. And rightfully so. I get that. And I respect that because I don't mm -hmm. know how, I've never had my own radio show. So I don't know what that feels like to bring somebody in and they challenge you. That's the one thing I did is I grew up in a household full of women. Mm -hmm. There was five feisty Latina women. And I would challenge anything that didn't sit right with me. I just wasn't the yes woman. I wasn't like, oh, you're so funny. That's good. I'd be like, really? That's that's what you think? Or, mm. uh, you know, I would joke with them. You know, you really wear a silk robe when your girlfriend comes out. Just <laughs> things like that just were really funny to me. And I just don't think it was always well, well received. But what was so beautiful about working with Big Boy was I he could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with me and I can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. And that's what made... That's what made the relationship what it was. That's what made the humor, you know, when someone isn't, I don't want to say threatened, but when someone is open to receive you mm -hmm. and is makes space for you, that's when it's in life. That's not just in radio. That's in life. Yes. You both shine. I like that a lot. I feel like sometimes, you know, and, and I'm, I'm fairly new to radio. I would say like three years. So, like, I mean, you know, I'm still working my way. I'm still trying to be on my hustle. But for people who, you know, I talk to a lot about this, you know, who are like, you know, 
the same position that I'm in. They basically say like it's it, it's a lot of ego that we need to like protect, and I don't like that because. I understand, like, I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm not going to come on your show and, like, bash you. I'm not doing that. But, like, you know, if if I want to, you know, challenge something that you say, and not to be in a mean or nasty way, I no, just want to have a conversation. a real conversation. And yes. that's what makes life interesting is that we are different, and we're not always going to see eye to eye. And I'm definitely not a combative person, mm-hmm. but I need to be the voice of the woman if there's only men in the room. And in radio, sometimes that tends to be the case or any any space, really. Absolutely. That, you know, that is a huge part of why I was allotted the opportunities I was given. Because I was the only woman on Big Boy's Neighborhood, there was, let me think, Big, Fuzz, Joe, Ray, Jay. There was five men in the room. Wow. Oh, and E-Man. Don't forget E-Man in the mixer room. <laughs> Six <laughs> men on the show. Wow. And I was the only... Oh, and then Tattoo came aboard. I mean, seven... Like, you had all these people. You know, he he came after Joe, but... Still, six men in the room. Right. And I was the woman, and I was designated to the role, the female role, of doing the news. Because that's what the girl does. That's all we do. But here's what was beautiful about that. I got really good at the news. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if you're going to give me a task, I'm, I'm Mexican. I'm going to do it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears. Yes. You know, and I give a lot of credit to my producer because he really helped me form my um, skill set around t- giving the news. But because I got so good at that, that's when MTV came calling. Mm-hmm. And when MTV, when I got the job at MTV, I got good at that. And then that's what allowed me to get the audition at E! News and did that right. You know, it, there's all these things that lend to the next thing. So I'm really grateful that they designated me to that role. So for somebody like, because you, you talked about that, you're like, you know, the MTV and the E! And obviously I, I can see from an insider in how that works right but unfortunately well i would say fortunately and unfortunately we live in a time of social media mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. we live in a time of instant gratification right sure. so like you know that's kind of the downside i would say of it okay. so i can go on my phone right now and see my friend in new york or la you know going to this audition or possibly you know landing this role at mtv whatever it may be right and this happens i feel like a lot in our industry what advice do you give to somebody who looks for validation when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, via phone, Instagram, whatever. What do you tell them being somebody who you're like, no, like this, this, you know, there's levels to this shit, you know? (laughs) Like, what would you say to someone who's like, but no, I'm not working hard enough. Oh no, I'm not getting what I'm supposed to be getting at this age or at this point in my life. What do you, what advice do you give somebody? Well, the people that you see celebrating their victories or their successes, you have no idea what it took for them to get there. You know, have no idea Mm -hmm. how long they've been grinding. You know, people see me now doing Wordiful, but they have no idea how much went into creating this platform. And I'm talking about since 2000 of waking up at four in the morning, sometimes three in the morning to do radio. Radio was my schooling. Radio allowed me to understand the power of storytelling, the power of connection. And I was practicing speaking every day. I was practicing sharing uh, my stories. And then television gave me the opportunity to get comfortable in front of the camera. Mm. So there was all this training ground. And, you know, if you look at it, it was over a span now of almost 20 years. So there is no instant gratification. Yes, I always say hard work never goes unrewarded, but we need to be really mindful that uh, 
it, it's not going to happen overnight. There is very few. And I think that's what's so dangerous is there are these stories of these overnight successes. Like that's why every child wants to be a YouTuber or, or Vine star back in the day. Uh, right. And that's just not sustainable or realistic. Like, sure, there's a lot of people that have made millions of dollars, but that's equivalent to winning the lottery. Like it's just quick. That's it. And then everybody moves on the next day. Correct. OK. Or, you know, for those people that made their money really young as YouTube stars. Again, that chance of that happening to everybody is one in a million. Right, right. If I mean, probably more. You know, it's a very low statistic, but uh, it's very true. It's it's you know, there was a. Gr- I'll say it like this. Marianne Williamson said this. She's an author of a book called A Return to Love. And she said people are just dying to be famous and to be a star because they're not willing to show up and be a star in their own life. It's like sometimes we want to be famous or we want to have recognition because we don't feel appreciated or recognized in our own lives. So we feel that maybe we'll feel accepted if the world accepts us. Maybe we'll start accepting ourselves if the public accepts me. But it's all backwards. We're doing it backwards. Like not for the right reasons type thing or not. You're not letting it just kind of happen. You're, You're forcing it almost. No, it's if you're not showing up in your own life, if you're not being amazing to the people around you, mm-hmm. if you're not going hard at your job every day, mm-hmm. what makes you think that when you have more, you're going to suddenly show up and be this amazing person? That is so true. It's what you just said. You were like, literally, you're like, it's not instant. It does take time. You have no idea what, you know, I don't know. You have to Tina go from Instagram. school because, listen, when you're, when you're in the trenches, you're building character. Mm-hmm. You're building resilience. You're getting wisdom. You're getting just so much schooling. Yes. And if it's handed to you overnight, you're never going to appreciate it. And you're never going to be able to sustain it because what easy come, easy go. It's amazing advice. Yeah. I'm telling you. And people, I'm telling you, like, I hate to say it, but like, that's a lot of people's mentality today, you know, especially like the younger people who are coming in, the interns or whoever we have, you know, sometimes I'm not going to lie. I find myself doing that. Yeah. I'm like, why is, you know, what's your nuts in, in, you know, New York doing this? I'm like, am I not good enough? Like, it's nothing to do with me at the no, end of the day. No, and I think that's what's so dangerous about social media is it has us comparing our lives every single day and Mm. what I've realized is that any amount of energy you use to look to the left or to look to the right is taking away energy from you propelling forward you need to keep your eye on your prize you need to run your own race you need to stay in your lane I love that that's great advice well thank you for sharing that um so I wanted to ask you really quick too before um like or before I would say after you know you were in radio and then you did the MTV and E and everything where were you in your life where you were thinking like okay like I want to create my own platform which is wordiful but I want to create my own my, my own thing my own space you know like what made you create that there was a lot of factors that went into creating Wordiful. When I finally made it to the big leagues, primetime television, Woo! NBC, yes. I'm thinking, this is amazing. I'm so excited. This feels so good. <laughs> uh, within a month, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Oh, my goodness. Uh, dementia at the time. And it just, I thought I was going to have to quit. I told my my boss, I said, I'm going to need, I have to quit. I'm going to take care of my mom. And she said, I don't think your mom would want you to do that. She goes, as a mother, I don't think your mom would want you to do that. And wow. so the more I bumped heads with my dad over it as well, my dad's like, are you kidding me? Like, you just went through five years of college. You stayed an extra year so that you could follow your career path. You did 10 years in radio. You finally made it into the prime time and you're going to quit. He's wow. like, do you think that's what your mom would want? 
So I had to battle that moral dilemma, which felt like a moral dilemma. You know, I'm, I'm Latina. Like, that's what we do. Your mm-hmm. parent gets sick. You want to take care of your parent. Of and me and my mom, we were so extremely close. You know, she's I call her my insides in my heartbeat because she really is. And so as I was starting to give the news every day and do these interviews and talk about, you know, just talking about celebrity divorces and what somebody wore and this at the time I didn't even realize it there was like this little voice in the back of my head saying your mom's losing her her speech her language and what are you doing with yours you know your my parents taught me to be so powerful with my words and at the same time I also realized it was so great to see the community of people that grew up with me on radio you know the 10 years I spent yeah they were all rallying behind me. They were so proud, like, congrats on access. You know, I feel, and it was great. I, I feel like it served its purpose. I was a Latina. I am brown. I am dark skin. And to stand on that stage and show other Latinas that they belonged there. Yes. To me was what really why I was at Access Hollywood. Because, you know, mm. I grew up watching the Mary Hearts and the Nancy O'Dells. And I really looked up to them. Right. And I still do. But there was never anyone on that stage that looked like me. And so to be on that stage and have another woman say, oh, I do belong there, that meant a lot. Yeah. So I'm kind of figuring all this out in the process. And at the time, I told my I was in a relationship at the time and I told my significant other, I said, you know, I miss that connection I miss storytelling. You know, when I was in radio and I would be at a Dodger game, people would come up to me and they wouldn't say, oh, I remember that time you guys had Eminem on or I had, remember that time you guys had 50 Cent on. It was always, I remember that time Big Boy made you cry on the air because I at the time I was going through a <laughs> breakup and Big Boy, you know, they were my big brothers. They harassed yeah. me. It was, it was funny. Uh, it wasn't funny then, but it was fun, right, funny now. And I realized there's something about hearing somebody's story and being able to relate we feel a connection that we're not alone. Oh, you've had your heart broken? Me too. Oh, your parent has cancer? Mine too. Oh, whatever that situation is. And so as I was telling him this, I just said, I I need to create, I want to create a platform. I want to create some passion project, something that allows me, one, to have that connection again, to storytell again, and to feel like I'm not just a talking head because that's what I felt like. I felt like I was just delivering entertainment news and that's not who I am. Mm. I'm much deeper. I'm much smarter. I'm much, there's all these other layers to me. And so that's really how the birth of Wordiful started. It was like, okay, let's talk one, one at a time. We'll do one word and we'll talk for 60 seconds. We'll make it digestible because no one has, everyone has attention <laughs> deficit on social media. True. Uh, And that's literally how it was created. And I never thought when it was being created that it would turn into my diary journal, Mm -hmm. my confessional, my altar, my church, my therapy, and really in paying homage to my mother. Has it helped others, do you think? Has anyone ever told you, like, these stories have really helped me through maybe this difficult time? One thousand percent. That's why well, that's what gives me the motivation and the momentum to keep going is realizing that my stories aren't any different than the stories of other people. You know, I always yeah. say we're, we might be in a different season, you and I, but we've gone through there's only a spectrum of emotions and you felt heartbreak. You felt joy. 
you felt sadness, you felt loneliness, you felt abandonment. Um, I may be experiencing at a different time than you are, but we've both felt it. Right. No, I love that you were able to kind of do, kind of bring, I, I would say, both of your passions to life, right? You are good at delivering entertainment, right? You can talk about Kim Kardashian's ass if you need to, right? <laughs> like, you know how to do it, but at the same time, you're like, I'm human and I, I relate to everything. A lot of people, especially like Latinas, right? Like such as, you know, maybe maybe like the younger women who look up to you, you know, such as myself. Like, you know what I mean? Like and, and for you to, to be able to kind of like do both, I think is so much more powerful than anything. You know what I mean? Well, it just started. I really started to feel out of alignment. You know, I remember mm. I, I remember the exact day I was standing on stage and I was talking about somebody's divorce and then I was talking about somebody's new tattoo. And I just thought, what am I doing my mother's barely holding on to I love you and thank you, which I thought was so powerful that those were like her last real sentences. And it was a, you know, a testament to the gratitude she still felt even in her illness. And I just thought, what am I saying? I don't want to be reckless with my, my gift of communication. Mm. And so that passion project ended up turning into, they say it's your path shown. That's what we call it, passion, passion. So, again, everything started to align where I was becoming more uncomfortable at work. They could feel my energy that I kind of didn't want to be there. And it was a, okay, thank you. I appreciate everything. But did you ever, and this is only going off of kind of what you're saying, making um, Wordiful feel therapeutic for yourself. Mm -hmm. Were you ever maybe at a point in your life where you were possibly like, damn, like I'm, I'm going through it. Like I could be potentially suffering from, you know, possible anxiety because of what you're going through, possible depression. Like, did you ever feel that? And did you acknowledge it? Did you ever like actually sit there and say, this is maybe what I have? Or are you fighting it? Do you mean from leaving my job or just in general? Just in general. Oh, like, absolutely. At this point I just, just this, uh, not this past episode, but the episode before that I did the word abandonment because my mother is in her final stages of Alzheimer's. And... I am so scared to lose her. And when she was first diagnosed, I was in a relationship and that person was extremely close to me. You know, he was my best friend. And so anytime some bad news came to me, I would run home and I would boohoo to him and I would express right. my feelings and I would tell him my fears and I would also share with him my joys. Like, oh, I'm going to miss this about my mom because I was slowly losing my mother. Like right. with Alzheimer's, you lose a piece of them every few months and so when my mom hit this like when I when the realization hit me that my mother is now in her final stages I came home to an empty house and I realized my partner's not there so I felt doubly abandoned wow. I felt not only am I losing my mom what is my place in the world going to be who's going to who's going to love me the way she has loved me and now my partner's not here who you know it's like you just right. you go into this panic and I didn't realize that that's what I was suffering from at the time. But I just went into this really dark hole of feeling extremely alone and extremely afraid. And then I had a good friend, and that's why it's so important to have mentors in your life. Uh, she was able to tell me, oh, sweetheart, you're suffering from abandonment, but you need to realize that the only reason you feel that is because you've abandoned yourself. Like you need to be kind with your thoughts, be kind with your words. Like, you're not alone. Like, just because your mother is transitioning doesn't mean that the relationship ends. Doesn't mean that the mm. love goes with it. And, you know, even though my partner's not there, I need to be there. I need to be there for myself. 
I need to encourage myself. I need to be able to soothe myself because here's the thing, no matter who's there, I gotta have a house full of people. I'm losing my mom, that is sad and it's gonna hurt. Right, And Absolutely. there's, you've gotta learn how to, um, to comfort yourself in those times, you know? And I think it's very brave, and I'm sure you've heard this, but I think it's so brave that you're even discussing this, you know, right now and obviously on, on Wordiful. Like, these are topics that I feel like are so freaking personal that because you're bringing them out and putting a light on it, like I said, I think that you've you've really helped a lot of people like understand that they are not alone, that this is what they're feeling. Like, you know how you were told, I think you're, you know, suffering from abandonment. Like yeah. I would have never thought that. Yeah. I didn't know I it either. I was going through it, you know? <laughs> exactly. I just thought, oh my gosh, I, I'm not coping well. That's what, that's the way yeah. I labeled it. But it's truly a real emotion and we're allowed to feel it. And there's no shame in feeling that. There is no shame. And especially coming from, you know, like a, like a Latina, like background, right like with Mexican parents like you know and I know my family's like this too like growing up like we didn't show emotions and that was growing up now that I'm you know older like I'm like damn like I'm still having a hard time with all this like am I am I okay to cry like am I supposed to cry like what do I do with my emotions right Right. and that's the thing is it's extremely powerful to show how you're feeling or to express how you're feeling and to have it witnessed it's huge yes because it acknowledges that someone else has witnessed your pain and if we don't, what happens is it will manifest in another way. All of a sudden, you're going to have migraines. All of a sudden, your hair is going to fall out. Mm. All of a sudden, you're going to your knee hurts, or you're going to have feel arthritis in your in your shoulder. Or it can manifest in so many different ways. Even in road rage, it's like you're suppressing all this anger, all this sadness, all this hurt. And someone cuts you off in traffic. Guess who gets the brunt of all of that? The person who cuts you off. Right. And you're yipping and yelling in your car (laughs) and really that person doesn't even know what's going on right you're having because here's the thing about energy energy can't be destroyed it can only be transformed so it's a matter Mm. of how you transform that energy in a healthy way so how do you how does liz hernandez take care of her mental health like i know i've seen you do was it yoga you're doing something on your instagram not (laughs) long ago um i just started doing that i found it to help you know as far as like my body my mind my spirit um what do you do then I do a little bit of everything, you know. I, I'm that person that I throw everything at the wall, like spaghetti and whatever sticks. <laughs> <laughs> that helps, right? <laughs> yeah. But I've tried a lot, a, a lot of different methods and uh, of self-soothing, self-therapy. Okay. And what I have found that works the best for me is when I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is I don't reach for my phone. I say thank you, and I do a body scan of my fingertips to the top of my head to the lubrication in my eyes, to my knees, to my toes, to just saying thank you for another day. You know, so many times we just get up out of bed and we walk to the bathroom and we get dressed and we make our coffee and we do all these things and we give no gratitude to our body. And Mm. that is, I say, our best friend who carries us every day, like clockwork. It's like having a best friend show up at your door and she uses her arms to pull you up. She uses her legs to carry you on her back. She uses her instincts to tell you whether there's good energy or bad energy. And you never once look to her and say, thank you. Thank you for showing up every single day and not asking for anything. That is your body. I'm going to try that. (laughs) And so to me, gratitude is the most important and just awesome 
tool we have. It's free. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it does so much for our lives. So that is my first exercise of the day. And then I do a gratitude journal. I've been gratitude journaling for 10 years and I've tied it to a reward center. So like the, because I think a lot of people need that little reward center in their brain to go off uh, in order to create a habit. And so I make my cup of coffee and I sit down and I write three things that I'm grateful for. And what that does is not to get too scientific, but I feel like sometimes people need to understand why, what the benefit is. Okay. So anytime you have a thought, a synapsis goes off in your brain and it travels to the other side of your brain to connect with another synapsis. And if you have the same reoccurring thought, the brain likes to conserve energy. So it says, oh, she's having the same thought over and over again, thoughts of gratitude. I will reel in that other synapsis so she can have the, uh, the thought more instantaneously. But what's scary is the same is true for a complaint or for a negative thought. Mm. You have that. That's why I call it the loop. We start to think, oh, I, the meter is about to run out. I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to get a ticket. I'm going to get a ticket. Like that thought just keeps haunting you as opposed to another thought of gratitude or, or whatever it is that. And it suddenly it consumes you. And then guess what? Next thing you know, you have anxiety because this thought is just reoccurring. So when you practice gratitude every single day, you strengthen that gratitude muscle and it allows your bounce back. It's even when something bad happens or, you know, what we consider bad, uh, you're able to bounce back that much faster. Like when I got a flat tire one time on the 405 in L.A., Ooh. as opposed to saying, you know, I always say life isn't happening to me. Life is happening for me. I could have said, oh, my God, why me? This is primetime traffic. Why am I getting a flat tire? Instead, I went right back to my gratitude journal and I thought, I'm so grateful to have a car. I'm so grateful to have AAA. And maybe God pulled me over because I would have gotten a major car accident further down the road. And mm. that was just life's way of pulling me over. And if you think like that, you no longer become the victim in your life. Right. You become the hero of your life. You become your your perspective then changes your attitude. And when you have an attitude of gratitude, <laughs> you're happier. Like people wonder, like, I just, you know, we always say, I just want to be happy. Happy isn't a destination. Happy is, happiness is something you have to practice every single day. It's like forgiveness. You don't just one day wake up and forgive somebody. You have to say every single day, I, I, I forgive this person. It's an everyday practice. Yeah, see, it's one thing I'm bad at, too. I'll be like, I'm happy. Or I want to be happy. How do I feel this? And, yeah. and you know, practicing something like, like anything else, right? Going to the gym. If I say I want a six pack. Yeah. I'm not going to just get a six you pack. Can't just, yeah, you can't just go for the, to the gym for a week and then think that you're going to look great. It's like it's every, it, it's for the rest of your life. Yes. And that's why, again, I've been gratitude, gratitude journaling <laughs> for 10 years. And then I write seven affirmations as well. Ooh, and okay. I know that people are thinking like, oh, my God, that's so much time and that's so much effort. Yeah, it is because this is my life. And what's more valuable than that? If I can go to the gym, if I can be on my phone for say, 30 yeah. minutes to two hours the way we are, mm -hmm. then I can definitely put an investment into the direction of my life. So I write an affirmation for my mind, my body, my soul, my family, my social slash relationship, my work and my money. And basically that gives my mind direction on where I want to go. I love that. Yeah. Very investful. Yeah. That's even a word. Investful in your life. You're investing it's in yourself. Investment. It's yes. an investment. And I meditate. I do 20 minutes of meditation every day, which is the only thing proven to grow your hypothalamus. And for people going, what? Your hypothalamus is what goes away when that's what leads to dementia. One of the symptoms. Wow. Um, that's where our memory is at. Mm -hmm. So it strengthens that. It helps fire off other neurons and um, it's the health center of our brain. So that I exercise. I just try to do what's right. I've, you know, at times I try to eliminate sugar, not last night, but, you know, <laughs> I try to be mindful of what I'm putting into my body because right. 
that mind, body, soul, it's all connected and we have to pay attention to it. And sometimes our diet doesn't even include what we're consuming. It includes the people in our life. You Ooh. know, it can, it, if you have people that are negative Nancy's, that is going to affect you after a while. Your thoughts are going to become their thoughts are going to become your thoughts. It's going to affect you because we only need to hear something twice to then start to believe that it's true. Really? That's the way the brain works. This brain of ours, damn. <laughs> yeah. That's why yeah. political propaganda is so crazy. Right. Because we have to be really careful of what we're reading on Facebook and what we're reading out in the world. Because, again, sometimes it's really, even if something is not true, if you see it more than twice, you start to believe it as a truth. Totally. Yeah. we got to be careful. Like you're saying what you eat, who you're around, how you meditate, what you think. I mean, there's a lot. But at the end of the day, I think um, there is no better investment than yourself. Right. And I think, you know, I'm excited for the way the world is moving because we're now starting to pay attention to the brain. Because mm. before we used to just be so consumed with the body. Oh, everyone's got a class pass and a gym membership and my body body because that's what we can see. Ooh. And then we pay attention to what we eat. Oh, we have low fat this and we have this and there's all these like paleo diets and everyone's so consumed with what they're consuming. But not many people were paying attention to what we can't see and that is the brain. And the brain needs the gratitude. The brain needs the meditation. The brain needs quiet time. You yes. know, it's so vital and so important. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you for sharing that. And yeah. I feel like it's really important. I'm sure someone listening right now with their notebook. And if you're not, <laughs> go get one. Because um, that's that's so good to know. And what about for you? Like, what is next for Liz? Because you're on tour right now. That's why you're here in Chicago with yes, us. Yes, yes, um, yes. Wordiful has hit the streets. I don't know, hit the tour lights. I don't even know. Like, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. It's expanding across the U.S. And yes. I couldn't be more grateful. Yeah, That's amazing. So what can we expect? Because um, in Chicago, it'll be happening this weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Um, tickets are still available. I'm going to post in, in the bio here um, and on my Instagram. But Thanks. of course, <laughs> um, what can we expect? Or for those who are in other cities and you haven't you know gone there yet, what can we expect on this tour? So this tour is all about the mind, body, soul. But it's really about giving women, you know, the first day is dedicated to women because I like to give women a safe space to talk about the things that we're struggling with, mm. where we feel lack in our life, but also giving teachable takeaways of how we can start to create change. Because the first step of change is awareness. And we have to be able yes. to talk about what it is we're feeling. And again, remember what I was saying about witnessing someone else's hurts or struggles? Yep. There's a lot of power in that. And when you hear a room full of women talk about the same things you're struggling with, you suddenly don't feel so alone. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great that's a great initiative, I think, um, to bring, especially especially to, like you said, you know, women who want to get together and just talk about it. Sometimes it's okay to just do that, you yeah. know, and, and that's gonna be great. Yeah. And so and then, you know, like I said, on top of that, uh, I give teachable takeaways, which they can actually start applying to their life right away. And then day two is for men and women and it focuses on the body. Nice. Of what our connection is with the body. You know, first our connection with each other, then our connection with our with ourselves. Very nice. And yeah. that'll be like um, sort of like an exercise running type. Really? Yeah. Setting. I mean, it's really low key. It's not anything intense. We're not doing any like sprinting. or anything. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be doing a whole marathon. But it's really just about tapping into your body, mm -hmm. about feeling it and and knowing where certain things are expressed and energies and just our posture and the way we speak to ourselves. You know, that is probably the the one thing I truly focus on because how we speak to ourselves is how we love ourselves. And again, like I was saying about the best friend showing up every day and using all of her strength to help carry us, 
when we are mean to that best friend, she feels it. He feels it. Yes. You know, suddenly we don't walk upright. Suddenly we have certain things manifest in our body because we're, you know, when women come up to me and they just say, I don't have confidence. I just don't feel good about myself. I don't feel pretty. I don't feel smart. I, I always ask them, well, what is it that you say to yourself? What is the what is the the most important conversation you have every single day is with yourself? Right. And so, you know, Louise Hay, who is one of my favorite teachers, she's the queen of affirmations. She talks about an exercise of just looking at yourself in the mirror every single day and saying, I love you. And for a lot of people, that's really hard. It is. And it's I will say when I first started it, it's super awkward because you just think like this is a bunch <laughs> of bull. This isn't going to work. But I've been yeah. doing it now for six months. And it has completely changed how I look and feel about myself because confidence isn't what I see in the mirror. Confidence is about what I feel inside. And realizing that and understanding that starts with my inner dialogue of quieting that inner critic and really understanding like when I look at myself and make eye contact with myself and being like, I got your back. I love you. Yeah, man, that does so much for me when I walk out that front door, because there's nothing nobody can do or say to me that's going to make me feel lesser than because I know I have my back. I love this. I'm like inspired. I want to go home and stand in front of the mirror right now. I'm telling you, it works miracles. After 30 days, you are going to feel a shift. Well, I'm going to try it. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing all of this. And where can people follow you on Instagram or Twitter, any social media platforms? Uh, they can find me at Wordaful, which is W-O-R-D-A-F-U-L. Perfect. It stands for Words Are Powerful. Uh, or Liz Hernandez. I know it's a lot easier <laughs> uh, with a Z. And then the Wordaful link is on there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming in and you know stopping by. Gina the Latina, thank you for being hey, here. Yeah. Appreciate you. She's like, hi. Hey, Wait, I have here. one question for you, Paulina. Yes. Uh, the title of your show. Yes. Where did that stem from? Okay. So I'm a millennial, right? So like, we'll, you know, I'll be in the hallways, whatever. And I always used to hear like some of my bosses or just like people that I know, not even at work, just in life that would say, you know, the, the millennials are so entitled. We're uh -huh. so entitled to things. And personally, maybe because like, you know, like I'm a woman of color. Like, I don't know, maybe because like I come from low income. I never felt entitled to anything. Right. Um, I always felt like, you know, damn, I work hard. Like, you know, and I still have so much more work to do to get to where I want to be, just like everybody else. And I was like, I never felt like no one, like, you know, came to my door and was just like, knock, knock. Here's a job. Like, it just never yeah. happened that way. So I was like, what do you mean entitled? Like, I was personally offended. Um, and then I started talking to more people that I, you know, here in, in Chicago and in L.A. that I worked with and I think are doing amazing things. And, you know, they're they're millennials too and i would talk to them and they felt the same way they're like yeah i never felt entitled like you know i got student loans out there i still gotta pay that shit off i i'm going to work every day there's some I, millennials out there giving you a bad rap yeah that's <laughs> what i'm saying i can go on and on and i'm just like damn like wow so i was like on the train one day again my unentitled ass on the train going hello. all the way back to midway i'm from midway by the, boy, by the way hello <laughs> So I was going on the train and I'm listening to a podcast and I was like, I want to find one that like just gives advice or gives, but like not just advice of like, okay, you know, like, you know, I don't know, Bob down the street gives me advice. That's cool and all. But I was like, I want influential people, people who actually are sitting in these positions. Right. So I love this podcast because I have to invite people on. Right. So I get to invite somebody who's been in your position. Right. Gina, you're next. Okay. When you come back to Chicago. Uh, uh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> She's like, I guess I'm next. Um, I have my friends who have clothing stores here in Chicago, just local people, because I feel like these stories are important absolutely and i feel like i get you know people give me feedback and they're like wow like i learned a lot about what it takes to even like be a teacher 
They're like, I had no idea I had a student teach. And I'm like, well, now you know, because I had a teacher come in who was a millennial my age. Right. And she, you know, worked her ass off, and now she's this amazing teacher, and she's giving advice to, like, the next generation. Right. Of, That's why it's so important not to put labels on people. Th- thank you. Yeah. Exactly. So Go ahead with I your took, unentitled booty. I know, right? <laughs> I, took a, I took a term, and I was like, I'm going to, like, flip it. And, um, yeah, this is kind of what it is. And I'm so excited and so, like, thankful that it, you know, became a thing for me because at the end of the day, I'm just like, I want to start. Again, I didn't have the confidence. I'm like, I'm going to start this. I guess we'll see what happens. Like a, like a game of, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. And we're thriving, girl. We're Good out here. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. I really do appreciate you. Oh, thank you for having me. Of you know, course. I, I'm never, it, that's what I say, never run from the love. Never run from the love. I love that. I'm, I'm going to name the episode that. Never run from the love. I love, I love it. it. <laughs> awesome. Thank I you. Love it. Thank you so much.